Welcome to another episode of the JMS Podcast. Today's guest is comedian Matt Curry. He came in and we just talked it out. Talked it out. We chatted. It was great. A couple interesting things happened on this episode. Uh, For one, uh, I almost died in front of Matt Curry. That was new. Didn't think that was going to happen so soon, you know, into the podcasting. Um whatever it is I'm doing with the podcast like the 32nd episode and I almost died like uh, I was trying to um, I had spit go down the wrong pipe I tried to hold it I tried to hold it trying to look cool I didn't want Matt Curry to think I'm pathetic to like cough it up and soon enough it just it kept going and it welled up in there to the point where I just couldn't breathe and it's like I had to do it I had to embarrass myself in front of Matt Curry so I look forward to that Another interesting thing happened was that my sister was being uh, a, a bit of a cunt, all right? I could say that. She's my sister, all right? I, I could say that. And to be fair, she was a little mad at me. Uh, and and, and it, I think that's one of the cons of living with your siblings is that if you piss one of them off, they are hell-bent to not just embarrass you in front of guests, but to make sure they intervene somehow into the system you got to really uh, fuck you up and piss you off. And she was mad because uh, last night I got picked up from work, you know, uh, from I worked till like 2 a.m. And I'm like, all right, I'm starving. I'm going to IHOP, right? And I was like, all right, let's go to IHOP. And she's like, she didn't really want to go, but come on, it's 3. By that time, it was 3 a.m. and it's IHOP. Who's going to really deny that? So we go to IHOP. It turns out that she did not want to get out of the car because she was wearing my younger brother's shoes. And she was just embarrassed the way she looked. And she threw such a fit over that. If you have siblings, can you relate to that? To the point you go out and they're to the point of insecurity that they'd much rather wait in the car than just go in. I mean, God damn it! it was 3 a.m. at IHOP. Nobody gives a shit how you look like, alright? I mean, the fucking vanity behind that. It is 3 a.m. at IHOP. People in there look worse than you, most likely. And trust me, people in there did look worse than her. But nope, she was adamant. She's like, no, I'm not getting out of the car. No, no. And I was like, fuck this. I had a long day at work. I already drove over here. I'm going to have my fucking pancakes. Fuck it. You, you're an adult. You want to stay in the car? Fine. And I went to IHOP, and I got my pancakes, and I enjoyed them. While she stayed in the car for the sake of, oh, I don't like the shoes I'm wearing. Yeah, so my sister can be a bit of a cunt sometimes. And I guess, (laughs) and while I'm in there, she texts me, bring me coffee. He's like, no, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve coffee. You don't deserve anything. Because what kind of a person really doesn't get go out and experience life if not because they're worried about how they look like or their image and and, and the thing is you might say oh dude i'm you know i'm making my sister look bad but she's an example how there's people out there that are like that you know always uh afraid of tarnishing their image or their so-called reputation it's got go live life a little you know it's 3 a.m at ihop there's something magical about that. They should go experience regardless if you look like shit or not. 
And trust me, it's probably even worse if you look if you look like you're you know super great. It looks like if you're dressed up formally, and you if you go to an IHOP at 3 a.m. That's kind of sad. Can you imagine that sitting at a booth with a tuxedo or something, or if you're a female with some really nice dress, and there in fucking a diner at 3 a.m. We're surrounded by most likely felons. Yeah. Anyway, she didn't let it go. So when my guest was here, she, you might have heard her in the background. There's a point where she even comes in and interrupts the podcast and totally embarrassed me in front of Matt. I'm sorry, Matt, if you're listening. Apologize for that. But, you know, it is what it is. So, yeah. JMS podcast. <laughs> I just ranted about my own sister. I have no morals, apparently. Oh my god. Uh, well, I'm not saying her name, but yeah. JMS podcast. You got any questions? Please email me at jmspodcast at gmail dot com. I am always looking for new guests, so if you're interested in coming on to this podcast, um, shoot me an email. Or if there's somebody else in the community you feel, you know, you want their voice on here and see what's up, shoot me an email. Uh, make sure you like the Facebook page, uh, JMS Podcast. Um, like it, check it out, pictures and all that stuff. I bought a new computer editing software and video. Uh, uh, call it? I got my, I'm giving myself a camera pretty much. So I'm pretty soon I'm going to be start posting video on YouTube and uh, on Facebook page. Uh, not not the actual recording of the conversation, but just little snippets here and there. Um, so something to look forward to. If you want to follow me, on, blah blah, I can't even talk. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's JorgeMSanchez25. Please check out my pictures that are poorly uh, shot. All right, let's go to the conversation. Here's Matt Curry. <laughs> So how you been? Good. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a weird point in my life because I don't have a job right now, and I'm okay with it. But I don't know. I need a. I feel like I need some direction. Yeah. Well, I'm good. Uh, I just I stopped teaching. What, what were you teaching? I was teaching math. Um, but it, it was all kind of random, and I want to do comedy forever, and so we're seeing how that works out, and I'm just getting unemployment and living cheap, and when that starts to run out, I'll go back to the subbing, and huh. hopefully I'll never... What kind of math do you teach? Was it algebra? Was it, like, trigonometry? Uh, it was lower level. It was everything from pre-algebra to algebra 2. I kind of fell into it just subbing, and then... They just kept me on at another school, and then I had, uh, I had taught math for a couple of years, so then this other school took me on, but I don't have a credential or anything. Okay. How long have you been teaching for? Uh, again, like, officially, I've, like, been a full-time employee of a high school three years of my life, 
and then otherwise it was like long-term subbing and stuff like that okay uh, so you, you're practically teaching high schools i mean i had my own it was high school i had my own high school classes with like freshman sophomore uh everything i i first started teaching at a school in san jose called escuela popular and it is kind of a community school has regular high school age kids but it's mixed with adults so mm. um you see like a huge difference when you're teaching a freshman class so then you end up teaching a senior class like a difference in maturity yeah i guess so uh i honestly or are they like all the same yeah, to you freshmen freshmen are much younger than seniors and um they kind of <laughs> i know they're younger but <laughs> well just in terms of their maturity level and everything too um but I don't know. No, it's it depends on different kids sometimes. I think yeah, by the time you're a senior you're a little more chill and like you're trying less hard to get everybody's attention and everything in class and um So as a comic, how do you deal with class clowns? Oh, I don't know. Uh or, 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 or do you treat them like hecklers? It depends. Like you, you shut the fuck up already. It depends. It depends. <laughs> it depends. If they're funny, then I'll give them a little more rope. But yeah. other like teaching help me deal with hecklers, hecklers to help me deal with kids. Um, just you know, it's a perfect training ground for comedy if you think about it. Really, a bit. you got your own little captive audience. They can't go anywhere, and they have to pay attention to you. And yeah, even if it's a subject they don't like, you got to figure a way to make it interesting for them. It's a lot like a joke that uh, an audience won't like, and it's a good way. It's like, all right, how can I change this joke to suit this audience? Yeah, and in good. high school, it's like, oh, how did these fucking kids who don't even want to be here right now, how can I at least engage them in this material? Because math is kind of hard to sell to look cool. No, that's why I like, uh, that's why I liked math in a way, because, well, first of all, I just kind of, it was random that I was into it, so I, like, if it was history or English or something, even though I could probably teach it, I... I feel like you have to like love literature if you're going to be an English teacher or something like that. And I don't read that much or anything like that. But math, I don't think you have to like. You don't have to love, love math. math. You just yeah. have to really know math well enough <laughs> and be a good teacher and be yeah, uh, just enough entertaining. Yeah, basically, I think so. I mean, how which how makes much, sense? How great a mathematician do you have to be to if you you can master pre-algebra but never be able to do algebra two, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I think, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's, so it's like, uh, in math, they can't really debate you, you know, if you're in history or in English, you know, they, they, you're going to have that, always going to have that student that's going to challenge you. I don't mind challenging, I just, uh, I don't know, I did, I like, I wish, that was the thing, if I had stayed in teaching, I would have maybe tried history and stuff like that, but, yeah, math, there is just a, we just have a mission for today. It's to get you to know how to do this, and here's the way to do it. And mm -hmm. I don't know. Some people might have questions about it, and I, I like questions. It's, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't really a big. I wasn't at. really big in math, but I try to approach life in a very mathematical way. Yeah. How so? For example, I like to distinguish life, like distinguishing the the difference between expressions and equations. Okay. Right. Right. So, An equal sign. Exactly. At first glance, they look the same. Right? Sure. At first glance, you assume an equation, uh, it looks like an expression, 
But the thing is that you cannot solve an expression. You can only simplify it. It's true. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. An equation you can solve. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I approach life in, in that way where I got to figure out what is I'm dealing with. Is this an equation that I need to solve or is this an expression where I really have no control over but at least I could simplify. That's Meaning I could acknowledge yeah. the core of it. That's interesting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the hardest part, you know, in, in just like in math, the hardest part is, is finding out is this an equation or is this an expression? Only way to find out is to try to solve it. If you can't solve it, try to simplify it. Therefore, it's an expression. And in life, people assume like you need to, especially men, you need, they assume like they need to solve shit all the time. We got, I'm a man, I gotta solve shit. But sometimes you just can't. Sometimes things are out of your way. And the best thing is, what is at its core that you have to take from it? Or what is it at its core that you need to deal with? I'm with it. I like it. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. You, you talk bad. You're like, no hard yet. You're full of bullshit. Your analogy doesn't work. But it's, it's very inspirational. I'm, uh, I think it's good. I, I don't think it's perfect. Uh... I also have a background in law, so I very like look at little things and like, eh, hey, oh, where the analogy You studied perfect. law, huh? Yeah, I went to law school. Where at? Santa Clara. University? Mm-hmm. Uh, did, did, were you always into law? Like, I wanted to be a lawyer? Like, I, I, I've always wanted to be a bloodsucker, or was it more like... Not so much. I, I did want to be rich as a kid. I remember my answer for what do you want to be when you grow up was a millionaire, but... Uh, uh-huh. I, I liked law movies. I liked, like... Uh, a few good men and uh, can you handle the truth, Matt? Uh, you can't handle. No, I I can. <laughs> um, and then it was just kind of random. I I can't say it's totally random. My undergraduate degree <coughs> is kind of a pre-law thing. Sorry. <coughs> I apologize. Uh, I almost died in That's front of okay, Matt Curry. I was listening to you. For some reason, a spit got stuck in my air pipe. And I try to be cool, yeah, and be like, nope, I can't handle it. And nope, I was like, yeah, you can't. I'm gonna lose it from Matt, and Matt's gonna judge me forever. That's Matt's right. gonna be like, Jorge, you're so pathetic. You just died. I've been there. I uh, I puked a little in my car last weekend while I was driving because it was a similar type situation. I I had kind of an empty stomach, and then I did a little show at a wine bar, and then. I wasn't drunk, that wasn't why, but it was like, my stomach was still settling it, and I was like rushing to another show in San Francisco, and I took a little hit off a spliff, and then I started coughing, and then like the third cough was just, had stuff come out, and it was just this gross purple, like a full on. All over the steering wheel? Uh, no, it was more just on my leg and on the seat, and I'm <coughs> like dribbling down the seat next to me, and it was weird because I'm on the freeway, and I don't know what to do. Do I pull over? But I'm late to this other show, and uh, <laughs> so I just I had some napkins in the car, and I kind of wiped up what I could, and just sat with a little puke just right next to my leg for a half hour in the car. Contemplated life. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Is this is where I ended up puking yeah. in the car. No, it was good. Puking at wine. Uh, did I, you make it to your show? I did. With and they didn't notice, I don't think. And I cleaned it the next day thoroughly. Yeah. Sorry about that. I did not think I was gonna die that bad. That's good. I'm glad you're But alive. we were talking about law school. Yeah. Maybe that's what triggered it to me. I don't know. Maybe. No, uh, uh so yeah, I did a an undergrad degree that 
kind of involves some law, and then my mom teaches undergraduate at Santa Clara, so I got to go with free tuition to the law school there. She uh, a lawyer? No, she teaches political science in the science. Um, like the college, and so I did that. And even while I was there, I didn't necessarily. At all, feel like I like fit in, or you, you kind of. There were some people who you. Santa Clara's a tough school to really. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't feel fitting in even walking through it. I'm not even a student. Yeah. It's so I mean, prestigious. I don't know about the prestige. It's just. Uh, I mean, the law school is very different from Santa Clara, and I don't know if I would love Santa Clara as a school anyway. It's a little bit. Um. Just rich Catholic, like, not to talk shit. There's some great people. Steve Nash went there, a ball boy for Santa Clara. I'm not going to talk too much shit, but some of the people, it's like people who didn't get into other private schools and their parents still had money and it's still kind of prestigious. Well, I'm going to say, I met mostly douchebags there. Uh, yeah. You know, because uh, I went to. It a might co- be part of the. I hanged out a couple of them a couple of times. I have friends that lived over there on that side of, of town. and Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, some were nice. Yeah, yeah. The law school's different. Uh, you'd think. I remember thinking they were going to be all douchebags at the law school, and there were a couple, but most everybody was just really nice, and uh, it made me like, oh, wow, well, you know, lawyers aren't, but maybe people turned that way, or maybe Santa Clara was just like that, had a big social justice program and everything. Do you feel it's the environment that turns a lawyer, like, pretty fierce? The the the, the idea that you're always confronting someone to yeah, debate a subject. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely do. It's, it's very... Uh, well, what kind of law were you talking about? Are we talking about like uh, torts? We're talking about. Uh, I mean, in criminal? law school, you don't necessarily focus. Uh, you kind of have to do everything, and and you can take a focus, but you still have to know everything, and then you kind of just take your focus out in the job world. So in general, um, in, in general, it was both criminal and business law. Criminal, business, every all kinds of. They, I could, I could tell you the. The core subjects you need to know or whatever but uh in general you just you just do what you can to pass the bar and you have like i i did have a little specialization at the beginning i was kind of doing some international law stuff and i did a abroad program my first summer doing ah. like it's like humanitarian law and public international law and it was in switzerland and does that stem from your from your mom being a political activist She's not a political activist necessarily, but uh, I'm sorry. It, it stems from traveling a lot. Uh, she, because she was a poli sci teacher, we went to Poland a lot, and oh. I grew up going there and living there some. And then I lived abroad in college for a year in Denmark, and I think I just wanted more excuses. In Helsinki or Copenhagen? Uh, Copenhagen. How was that? It was cool. It was. Uh, People are so nice. Too nice. It's very but a bit it's complicated. Cold? Exactly, they are kind of cold. Yeah. They're nice, like like if you ask them for directions, you'd be like, "Wow, these people are so nice." But you but can't really hang out kinda, if they don't know you. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. But ah. then if you drink with them, you can some more. I had a girlfriend there, but I didn't really. It was funny. I remember my first summer there. I got there, and these two guys in, in the apartment building, right below me, were these two Irish bartenders who had spent the year there. Uh, one of them had been a student. And um, they were kind of wild. They were like everything you'd hear about Irish people or whatever. But um, one of them, he was just like, 
Sorry, I promise you. You mentioned Irish. I got beer. You want a beer? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do the beer. Uh, also got uh, Cognac's other stuff. Feel free to grab whatever. What did you call it? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I can't even say it right. Uh, I, got, I got liquor. That's okay. point. I got liquor. Uh, podcast viewers, he meant to say Cognac. Cognac! There we go. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's a twist off. I, uh, I got tequila. That's okay. I got to drive. That's true. That's right. No, I, I'll drink now. Okay. You got lost in the way in. I don't want you to get lost in the way out. Exactly. Um, Sorry to interrupt. I just got excited. I was like, oh, Irish beer. Yeah, yeah. No, but one of them was saying, like, I promise you this whole, the whole, you're, you're here, you're never going to, you're not going to have a Danish friend. And I was yeah. like, oh, I don't, I think that's you. I think that, like, <laughs> that's just your thing. Uh-huh. Because um, that, the Irish bartenders there kind of had, like, a little circuit of Irish bars, and they would just all kick it with each other after hours, and they, uh, and the guys would, you know, fuck out Danish chicks and everything, but, um. Yeah. Or, or the but di- then at the end of the day, I really, I had a, I had a girlfriend there who was really cool, and that's. You know, something I'll treasure or whatever, but I, I didn't make it's it's the language. It's just such a hard language to learn. They speak English, but they're not speaking it to each other. So if you're trying to like make friends in a group, it's like, oh, now we're all gonna switch to a different language right now because this dude. Whatever, so. <laughs> really, you have to go there, guys? Come on. Yeah. Um, no, I, I have friends from uh, that are Scandinavian. Mm-hmm. I'm grouping them all together. You know, Swedes. Denmark, whatever. Yeah, you said they, Helsinki for Denmark. It's Finland, bud. I know. See, I grouped them all together. Although they themselves hate it because I know they're like, fuck Finland, fuck Denmark, fuck Sweden. But for me, it's... No, they're similar. Like, they had Big Brother there with Norway, Sweden, and Denmark all in the same house. Wow, that's... that's Because they can all speak... That's, it's basically very similar. They can all understand each other. <laughs> and then... But they all tell me the same thing. Like, they, they come here and they're they're, they're out there, you know. They're, they're making friends here. Mm-hmm. And some of them tell me, the only reason why I came to study in the U.S. is to make friends. I'm like, that's sad. It's like, but it's true. Over there in Scandinavia, like, as great um, on paper it looks, and as, as it just, it's hard to meet people, and it's hard to really have a sense of culture, they say. Meaning, like, there's no, like, unification. Like, like there's a system. And it, the minute you seem like you're not part of the system, people will shun you or just look at you funny. Well, I remember learning Danish culture there, and they were kind of saying uh, it's like a long history of, we get, uh, like almost if you're trying to outdo everybody, then you are trying to make yourself better than people, and that's not a cool thing. Yes, exactly. Uh, Spot on. uh, Which is not the American thing, which is the opposite. And and we are very, like, you could fucking notice Americans in Denmark just at a bus stop or something will be like super loud and just yeah uh, <laughs> the and American? that I missed about America but there's some great things about Denmark and, and on paper and stuff like that yeah at the end of the day well it's on paper but yeah. those the things on paper affect your life if you have free college and healthcare and everything like that you know what I'm saying so yeah I have a friend she was freaking out she says yeah on the second day here in the US she was walking down the street and a, an older man jogging smiled at her while he was jogging to say hi and he just kept jogging and she freaked out because she didn't know what that meant here in the u.s yeah yeah and that's also different that's the thing about europe too is like it's compact but there's a lot of different cultures that are very different from each like ireland's in europe and denmark's in europe 
but I'd say Danes and Irish people are farther apart from each other than Americans are to Irish people or Americans are to Danish people. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Like, so you could be, I don't know. Those, the Scandinavians are like that. So kind of, and I'm thinking, but, and they say that. Like if I, when I grew up in Poland a lot and people, you would definitely, if you passed a, you know, the older woman, you'd say like, hello ma'am or something like that. Type in, in Polish. Uh, but apparently they told me that I would strive in Sweden. Okay. That it'll be easy for me to get a, a check over there. Um, on, on the basis, maybe. yeah, there's there's hot hot women over there, and they're they like different. Yeah, because it's so homogenous and everything that if you're a little different, so and that, also if you yeah if you so have a backup plan if by thirty I don't find the one here. So, yeah, right. Sweden's the one. <laughs> going to Sweden, going to Scandinavia. We'll see where it goes. All right, they're not too keen on uh, on looks, which is good. No, they're not too keen on immigrants right now. Uh, who is? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know yeah. This whole it, it's this whole idea of immigrants for me it's like read a fucking history book, people. People these made up fucking borders don't mean shit to a lot of people. They mean they may mean shit to you and your government, but at the end of the day, when life and death situation, people will move around for the safety of them and their families or for better opportunities. It's just now in modern times it has to do with jobs and all that shit. But like human history people have always moved you know what I'm saying people have always migrated I do and I I don't like you know and, uh, and I, just I, I think everybody nobody chose to be born where they were born and all this and um, but it is weird I, I did notice it in 2000 when I was there uh, the tension and it's way worse now 15 years later I guess with just these societies that for a thousand years or more were the same and kind of growing and developing in their own little bubble yeah and then people coming in and it's it was fine and I I think most Danes are very accepting and everything but it got more and more conservative because they had this bubble and it was kind of working so well with them and then just new people who don't necessarily have the economic which I think immigrants do bring up the economy in any place. At but the end in of Europe, day. it's different because and it's a little different also with the Muslim situation. Yes, if they're not like willing to accept the country's values that they're coming into or whatever. Dude, you know here in the U.S., there, there's not, there's communities in the U.S. that don't speak fucking English. Yeah, and you know, I mean, but, 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 the school I taught at, a lot of the I had students who didn't, speak and they English. still get by. But but here's what I'm saying: in Europe, the biggest issue they have, I feel is the way they use their tax money like you know what I'm saying to support people unemployment is very high in Europe very high um, some places yeah in most places I, I, I would argue uh, and and so in Sweden for example only because I know that more a lot of young Swedes are having a hard time finding work outside outside of once they graduate and the the government provides them temporary jobs and they're getting these immigrants and they're trying to give these immigrants jobs but they can't always they can't always right so they start you know pretty much a welfare system a bit and they can't really help it you know it's like it's just a system they had for a long time yeah and now you're getting a huge influx of people and they're telling them don't work we'll take care of you if you we'll find you work if it's available but for now just hold up yeah does that make sense yeah 
So I think that doesn't help their situation because, of course, in that you know people would are start blaming them for for taking over you yeah, know yeah, yeah, quote unquote jobs and, yeah. and 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 the government money. But you'd be you'd be fine if you wanted to go to Sweden. You'd be fine. No, I'd be fine on the basis that I come from the United States. If I came yeah. from anywhere else, it'd yeah, be different. Yeah, yeah. Which tells you the power of being uh, born here. I don't think many people realize the privilege. No, really. of course. It's uh, we're living in one of the best places, Bay Area, California, America. It's pretty solid. I like it. Anyway, so you liked uh, Denmark? Yeah, yeah, I, I had a lot of mixed feelings. Like I liked it enough that I had been scheduled to go for six months, and I ended up extending it for a year. Um, and you said you were studying law in Denmark? Yeah, I wasn't studying much, honestly. <laughs> it was a year vacation. When you, I feel like when you go abroad on a lot of things, this one was especially easy because all my classes were in English, and there were people from around the world taking these classes in English. So if you were a native English speaker, they were... A lot easier if you you know if you know how to write pretty well and everything. Um, some of the, it was I took some Danish, took some Danish culture, but a lot of it was law because that was my focus in undergrad. So it was like, but it was the undergraduate degree was law and society, and it was a lot of like law and morality classes, and not like concrete stuff, more just philosophies of law type things. But it was some interesting stuff and. Um, and, and, and at what point were you like, I'm going to study this subject? Law? Yes. Mm, like sophomore year, you're just kind of choosing a major and looking at what... Sophomore it, high school? No, uh, in college. Oh, so you weren't declared for your first year? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, this major takes this, this major takes this, and the law and society major, I liked it because it was... Like the first few years were a lot of dabbling with like sociology and philosophy and political science, and I, I wanted to take a lot of those things. And then near the end, it was like those types of law class, you know, entertainment and the media and law and stuff like that. Uh, so it wasn't quite as concrete. And were you doing stand up throughout your college years? No, I didn't start till way later. I didn't start till. Um, were you anything in performance related? Um, I took a intro to acting class and I did well in that so I you've been acting. interested in in the entertainment field for a while yeah for a long time and even in law school I kind of transitioned into entertainment law and I was kind of now that is very useful up. to know sort of uh, like co- like copyright day, issues trademarks uh, yeah, intellectual uh, stuff. it's not intellectual intellectual property intellectual property it yeah, is intellectual yeah. I guess yeah um yeah, I, well, it's good to know, but I feel like if you're a stand-up or an entertainer, you don't need to know most of that stuff. You just do it, and then you can pay some other people to take care of that stuff for you, and you don't have to like deal with legal stuff that much with it. But I don't know. I just wanted to be around it. My my little weird dream was like I was too pussy to get on stage, but I was going to be around it and then be the lawyers to some celebrities, and then they'll be like, Matt, you're so funny and stuff you should be in our movie and that's <laughs> uh, really not how it works at all and I just I moved down to LA after not passing the bar once and then taking it again and then found out I didn't pass it again when I was in LA and then was kind of quitting on law and was going to be an agent and was looking at that and 
um, worked at she's a little agency for a while like like uh, a booking agent like or talent talent um, agent yeah just commercial and theater and um, you know all that stuff and but I secretly wanted to be on the other side of it the whole time and then near the end like a year before I left LA about five years ago now I uh, had a friend at a sales job I was working at who did stand up and and I was a little like jealous there was like oh Daniel's a funny guy he does stand up and everything and, yeah uh, this guy's getting all the attention <laughs> I want that that and I also like they don't know fuck I love fucking do he's having funny <laughs> Uh, he well, he's funny he's a good dude mm. but uh, I went and saw him and he did fine and I was like alright I'm gonna do it too so started there and what was the first open mic you performed? Uh it wasn't even an open mic it was like a kind of a bringer show showcase at the comedy store so your first show you ever performed stand up was at uh, an actual showcase yeah at the comedy store yeah did you say that uh-huh. did I hear that mm-hmm. at the comedy store at the comedy store wow yeah. your first big shot uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a big shot. It's the first... Which room was it? Was it the belly room? It was the main room. It's fucking Harley. Yeah. Your first time you did stand-up was at the comedy store. Walk me through it. What All happened? Right. Um, so it's not as big a deal as you make it in that, like, it's not like someone just saw me at a party and was like you're so funny man we wanted to put you on this showcase it was like were you, were I answered a Craigslist ad um, it was like you, you always want to do stand up comedy and blah blah um, wait they, they get comedians from Craigslist you could do it too We, I mean it's a bringer what? show I never heard of that um, well people don't really do it much around here I, I think bringer shows are a little less popular now anyway around here but well uh, they, they, they're not very looked upon very highly around yeah, here yeah but this was but in LA, the high, and they still they, have them a lot there. Yeah, uh, the Craigslist that was like looking for anybody. Don't have to be a comic as long as you bring ten people. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> it's not like people will won't do that here anyway. I'll put not funny people on shows if if they can bring people. Just the first time I, I had someone used Craigslist for that. I don't know that I heard. It was, it was, yeah, it was interesting. And uh, so you responded to this Craigslist. So I responded ad. to the Craigslist ad. You got uh, you bought like. 16 tickets off the guy for 80 bucks or something like that and then you could sell them for $10 or I think you got them for like 50 or 40 because I remember making over $100 of, on the show in a way mm-hmm. and then you got a hour long if you wanted a meeting with him at a coffee shop and he would go over jokes yours if you wanted and so he was like an agent of some kind no he was a comic booker just Trying to, he, you know, for a hundred bucks, it. he'll give you co- comedy advice, meet him at and put shop. you on the show, and um, and at the end of the day, I didn't lose money because you know I, I sold the tickets, uh, mm-hmm. so I made money. But it was, his name is Matthew Wayman, and it was uh, or no Matthew Matt Taylor, Matthew Taylor, and it was emerging comics, and um, and I practiced it for like. I had been writing in a notebook for a few years before that, and honestly, one of the jokes I still tell, I, I told that that night, and it went pretty well. I had kind of memorized it in a way, it was seven minutes, and uh, once I got the first laugh, I kind of, the bomb. pressure was off. No, I did pretty well, actually. I, yeah. Uh, 
and the lights are so bright in your face and everything it's almost hard to be nervous you're just like staring into a bright light and just saying stuff and then <laughs> when you get a first laugh and then i, re- I remember there's a comic back because they kind of pepper in some solid comedians into the show to make it you know a palatable show for the audience and there was some like, there's a guy who i'd seen on tv who's like that was your first time and he was like uh that was great and was, um so that was cool and then Honestly, I did bringer shows like that my first year for, like, I didn't do any open mics. I just did every month, month and a half, two months, I'd do a bringer show like that. And the second guy I ever did one with has been good to me, and he produces shows all around the country, and I just hosted for him last night at the Improv. Um, But he'll come up, and they're just full-throttle comedy shows. But, um, yeah, and then I was just broke and got my car towed and moved back to the bay and then uh did kind of bring a show through butch and then through that i met like pete and uh, jesse and some other people How long and then ago they showed this? me about four and a half years ago four years ago because when i started coming up you're a big name Oh, thank you. People, people. Well, it's a small scene in San Jose, so I think anybody. Because I, I, st- I started the first Skyday open mic, mm-hmm. and I was trying to bring featured acts, which is more experienced. Mm-hmm. One of the first names that came up was you. Nice, thank you. And I think that's the first time we met. It was mm-hmm. when I contacted you, came, performed, did great, um, and, but yeah, you, you are you aware of that that you you you're up there with like um, the the way people talk about Pete and Butch and. And some other comics, they, they talk about you too. Well, thank you. Uh, it's a weird, like, you know, it's it's comedy and it's it's tied to your ego and stuff like that. So sometimes you feel like appreciated and sometimes you feel underappreciated. And there's definitely, you know, I I, I try to just forget about any of it and just focus on writing and being funny and getting opportunities, but not like the more I think about it the more I'm like fucking why is this guy everybody likes this guy but not not me and this and that (laughs) and uh so yeah I think I think I'm progressing about at the right rate and I I like the people that I've met in comedy and everything like that and everything I don't know I I I thank you it's it's a nice thing to say and and you you feel like you fit in more in the comedy community than you did in yeah, Santa Clara, obviously. Yeah, I think honestly, it's it's one of those like I don't know. We we kind of jerk each other off a lot, comedians. But I do feel like I oh, found all the people, time, dude. And <laughs> yeah, like at regular jobs in the break room or whatever, I just don't feel the same comfort talking about anything as I do with comics at mics or just in my life and friends and everything and. I don't know. At a certain part, you've you kind of lose a lot of your regular friends, and you just are hanging out with comics all the time. But and then you and at a certain point when you start, you're like, oh, these people are pretty cool, but I don't know. But then you find people who are like 100% your people and their comics, and I don't know. You just it's great because you know that they're solid and they want to stay in comedy forever and you want to stay in comedy forever so you're going to know them forever because you're in the same little fraternity that's you know. right and you caught the bug ever since the comedy story 
Yeah, I'd say so. I and you start hitting up mics in L.A. I didn't. Uh, I was I was still kind of scared, and it's it's not a very good community to start. I don't think. Maybe it's different now, but uh, you kind of do these bring shows, and everybody just sees the people that came to see them right afterwards, and they just leave with those people, and you just. Alright, <laughs> you know, that's really one of the worst anybody. feelings. Is like you're about to go up next, and the guy finishes, and he walks out, and like half the room leaves. Like, yeah, fuck. Not, no. even, not even necessarily that. There were some shady bringer shows I did down there that were like marathon three hour shows, and I'd be near the end, and it would be like tired ass audience. <sighs> how do you like survive that? How do you even? Well, it's when you first start, and it was like my third time up, so I don't. I no, as, I, a, as an audience member. Oh yeah, exactly. It's no, like it it's like. Why would you even want to put people through that? <laughs> well, I didn't realize it was going to be that long. Not you. Did, did you produce the show? No, but uh, I don't think they care about putting people through a good experience or a bad experience. They want to make their money. Or this stuff. But uh, I forgot what the beginning question was. About, Maybe there was not a question. Was I hitting up a lot of open mics down in L.A.? No. Finding my people... Yeah, I just now if I go now, I think I'm ready to go back to LA. Uh, think you're ready for it? I'm not like ready for the big time, Matt. It's you know this town's too small for me here, and I gotta. <laughs> but I I think I'm good enough now where I wouldn't go on stages and like make a bad impression that would last with people. Whereas when you're first starting, you don't necessarily want to have the right people see you at the wrong time type thing or whatever. But now I feel good, and I I know a lot of people down there both from when I first started down there and just solid comics from the Bay who've moved down there. and um, So you came up here to San Jose? Yeah. Did comedy here in San Jose? Correct. And then you moved to Oakland? Yep. And I guess that that itself, there's more room to do to, to work stand-up. Yeah, and I think, just not to talk shit about San Jose, but I think a lot of, I don't know, I think the, the level's a little higher up there just in terms of like yeah the San Jose comics are a little more young in the game for the most part uh, and there's just more more stuff to do all around right there and I think that I don't know no, I, San Jose comics it's fun too it's it's a weird new generation down here that so I don't even well, know pretty much what I'm getting as you see a big difference when you're doing comedy or at least nah, I mean, in I, Oakland I SF compared to San Jose I see a difference from Oakland to San Francisco. What's the difference, difference there? Well, I mean, not necessarily the comics, although a little bit of the comics, but the crowds and even different parts of San Francisco, I see a different crowd. You know what I'm saying? From, like, the Mission versus the Marina versus, you know. Um, but I... I don't know. There's, I mean, there's little like cultural there's like kind of a black comedy scene in Oakland that I haven't seen anywhere else that is almost some some comics only do certain rooms and some comics only do certain and then some comics do everything and everything but uh, I don't know if that's a, a real thing anymore how do you approach it do you try to do everything or do you I try to do or everything, you, or you, everything, everything do you feel like you have your demographic no I mean there, I'm sure there are certain types of crowds that like me more than other ones and certain people who will get references more and everything, but I like to try to do everything. I like to 
have jokes that will work with everybody. I, I have some jokes that won't work with some people, and it's good, and that's fine, but uh, I, I won't do them for a crowd that I know isn't going to be into it or know it, but I don't know. I want to I wanna tour. I want to I wanna be funny to everybody. <laughs> I want to provide pleasure. Huh. Just take me to the beginning, Matt. Of? Ultimately, where were you born and raised? Born in New York City. Um, lived there for like two years. And then we moved. What did your parents do over there? My mom was has always been in academia. She was, I think, even a professor on her way to being a professor. I think they met doing some grad school stuff. Uh, in New York. My dad uh, always kind of did sales. I don't know if he ever really found his passion or anything. I don't. I think he would say himself it just was always kind of jobs but um yeah they did that what kind of sales was he in he did a lot of international stuff but it was just like random like computer discs for a while and then oh. for the last part of his life i remember it was like a job that was really hard to explain that was like okay you know when companies interact with other companies and they have purchases but then there's sometimes discounts that are done and there's things that are credited that are kind of in the ether and right. our company helps find those uncredited credits and get your money and this and that okay it was like, cool um so ultimately is that what you they lived there for two years and they moved there for two years they moved a little outside of the city but still new york city to uh, rockland county which is you know right around new york city for till i was like four or five and then we moved to San Jose. We were in Well Glen. Because the tech field, I assume. No, because my mom got a job at Santa Clara. Oh, okay. Uh, and then... Do you feel like there was pressure there? Like, from your mom being in academia? For you to be following the footsteps? Uh, not necessarily to be a teacher, but definitely to be, like, good in school. Mm-hmm. But I am naturally should be pretty good in school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Must guess. be in the genes, right? I guess. Uh... <laughs> Like, my brother, you know, went to Georgetown and Stanford for grad school and everything, so he's a smart cookie. How many uh, brothers and sisters you got? I got an older brother and a younger sister. Okay. That's it. Um, and, and so ultimately, we're, I know, I, I... I don't think that's going <laughs> to... Yeah. I think you're just twisting it. Here you go. Thanks. So, so you moved here, and then you... So, we moved here. You were we raised moved here. To, moved to Maine for two years when I was in middle school. And that was another... My mom doesn't really like California for some reason. And so she had, like... She went and got a job at a college in Maine. And that didn't really work out. She didn't get tenure. And we went back to Santa Clara. Um, and I'm happy that I didn't end up in Maine. I got back to San Jose. Had a hard time in Maine? It was okay. It was a good time to be in Maine as far as, like... It was a small town, so you could walk everywhere. And I didn't have a car and stuff like that. But it was weird. It was, like... Uh, kind of all white, one middle school, one high school type thing, and they had all kind of grown up with each other, and people were almost like more mean, and more like very like there was the cool clique, like a very defined the cool clique type thing in middle school, and I think people probably mellowed out a little more once they got to high school, but it wasn't like that at the middle school that I came from in San Jose. Yeah, yeah, uh, the new kid. Yeah, you know. 
I made it into the cool click uh, <laughs> right off how, the bat. How'd you do it? Tell just, uh, I don't know. I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> and and one of the, kind of the class clown was my neighbor, and we were fast friends, but he was also kind of an asshole sometimes. And... Ah, he's, he, he's a true comedian. Yeah, I, I wish he had done... He got, like, best sense of humor in our yearbook, and we're, we're Facebook friends now. I... I Shout out to Matt O'Coin. Uh, he he would have been. He was like wild, like like one time. This is kind of indicative of that shit. Like one time, the vice principal was yelling at him. This she was a woman uh, before school about something in the hallway, and there was kind of a crowd of people around. She was kind of telling him off, and then there was a weird pause, and then he just slapped her in the face. He slapped. <laughs> he slapped the vice principal, and not like hard bitch slap but just like just like a weird like this is a weird I don't know just to make people laugh or whatever what? yeah and, uh, and what happened from there? Uh, you just got suspended for a few days <laughs> but, uh, that was the they were like I remember kids like throwing bricks through windows at Halloween and shit like that it was like holy fucking because shit because it's like isolated I think people just like thought they could just I don't know they didn't know what was like normal. Sorry, my sister just walked in. Walked she's really mad at me. That's why she's doing this. Right. Talking about siblings, okay. brothers and sisters. You know how it is, right? Yeah, I guess so. You, you, you have a younger sister. How's yeah. your, how's your relationship with your your siblings? Mine currently is not very good. With my sister, obviously. Well, I mean, it's good enough that you live together. <laughs> Maybe that's the worst part. Yeah, that's part of it. Uh, it's good. We're. I think if you saw us like at Christmas together, you'd be like, well, what a beautiful family. And, you know, I was hanging out with my sister yesterday a little bit. But we don't, like, go out to bars a lot or anything like that. We're not, like, friends like that necessarily. My brother lives in Germany also. It's it's hard to... Oh, he's in Deutschland. He is. He is in Berlin. What's he doing over there? He's a journalist. And he just, just kind of went out there seven or eight years ago. He got a Fulbright scholarship to... They pay for you to be out there for a year to do research and stuff like that. And then he just liked it. And he met a woman who's also an American, but she was an opera singer out there. And she was on the Fulbright also. And I don't know. It's cheap out there in a way, like the mm -hmm. place where he lives. And um, they have a kid who was born there now and he's going to have dual citizenship. And so you're an uncle? I am, I am. And what kind of journalism was he in? I'm not sure he just writes a lot of random. Like, he's had articles in National Geographic or... Oh, sweet. ...Wired. He used to he used to be an editor at U.S. News and World Report, so random magazine articles type things, but a lot of history. Um, if so I had a, an older brother like that, that, that's pretty hard, you know. Shadow. Shadow. I guess. You We're also very different. I also... I weirdly always had, like, confidence, like that I could be successful like that if I had the desire or discipline. You, you just know choose not to go that route. Yeah, and I smoke a lot of weed or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like that. Uh, he was just, he was in, you know, he's he's just more interested in things that would be good like that. <laughs> like a parent would like. He, he was an Eagle Scout and stuff like that. But, uh, he was a Boy Scout. Mm -hmm. Were you a Boy Scout? Mm-hmm. I uh, I quit at life, which is the one right before Eagle. 
because I didn't really like the troop, but it was fun. I got to camp a lot. Just so even then, you had a hard time fitting in? I guess. I don't know. I've always been sort of... I think I've always been able to fit in, but been weird and quirky. Uh, and... Well, the scouts thing, like, when I was in Maine, it was actually pretty cool, and it was, like, there were some older high school kids in it that were a little cooler, and they also smoked weed, and I was, um, I don't know, it was a little more bad and stuff like that. We were out, and it was just camping, but when I moved back to San Jose, the troop was just, like, super goody-goody, and, um, just boring, and I didn't really click with the people, and... I don't know, not that I'm a badass or anything. I Maybe I just attracted certain things like that a little more and wanted to be. But I, I think I always kind of got along with a lot of cliques, but didn't necessarily feel like I had, like, the best friends and stuff like that as much, you know. I would, like, kind of float at lunchtime and be at this group and then this group and stuff like that. Yeah, floater. I was the same way. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, one day I'll be with the, with the geeks. Mm-hmm. The other day, I was with some other groups. Mm-hmm. The had, you know, I mean, one year it was probably, you'd probably find me here, but I might be here, and one year it'd be, you know, but, but yeah, I do feel with comedy, I, I did find my people in a way, like, like for real, and it's, uh, uh, Is your family, for the most part, supportive of you doing yeah, comedy? Uh, I think at this point they are. Uh, at this point? Initially they weren't? Less, definitely, uh... And I understand, you know, it's it's the type of thing that you don't make any money for a long time, and I have debt. Like, I, I said I went to law school for free, but I, I did take out loans to live on my own and stuff like that, so I do have debt. Um, and, you know, I worked hard for the law stuff, and it seemed like I had done something good with that, <laughs> and I'm not doing anything with it. And They're just worried about me, kind of. I've, I've had... A lot of times of stagnation in my life, I guess. And Do you feel like they're always worried about you? Sometimes. Uh, I didn't grow up with my dad as much. My dad was a rough divorce, and I was around my mom, like, lived with my mom most of the time. We were in Maine away from him and stuff like that. At what age was your father divorced? I mean, uh, I was how seven. old were you when he, you were seven mm-hmm. when they got divorced? Mm-hmm. And... And then I, now I know him really well, and I ended up moving in with him beginning of my senior year of high school and stuff like that. Uh, was it awkward at first? Like, here's this guy that I've not even seen for, like, years, and now I'm living with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. It was, it was like a big, me and my mom had butt heads a lot, and we were fighting, and it had just gotten to a point, it was just really bad, and she had, she wanted me to, like, go to therapy about it but it was and then she had hired this therapist or whatever but therapist like first or second session was like what about your dad what what, what about him like, yeah he's cool blah, blah, blah. she's like why don't you go with him like, <laughs> so the therapist was like hey man you're not the problem here I think it's your, your mom maybe it is. my mom's kind of crazy yeah. uh, she is and do, uh, do you think him her being in academia has something to do with that maybe I'm not saying your mom's crazy. With it. I, I just, I just saying it's that fine. people in I, I academia am. have a certain way of looking at things that can be unrealistic. Mm, I don't know. I think it contributes to certain, certain views and certain. 
I don't want to, narcissism has really bad she I don't know uh, she does a lot of wonderful things for people and everything so I, I don't want to talk shit about her necessarily but uh, well, I see where you're going she's never had a regular job she always she lived, was a teacher she lived in the world of academia uh-huh. and, and it's part of it it's part of living in that environment mm-hmm. of you know and, and sometimes people who go outside of the world of academia can't really function as well yeah, I mean, I, I've met all types of everything with that, and it, those aren't, that's not where it stems from, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think it's its own thing, but. Uh, so the therapist was like, all right, man, just go with Yeah, but dad. then, and then me and my mom had this big blow up, like, the next week, and then I was just, never seen Boogie Nights? You know, <laughs> yeah. when he, like, leaves the alley, like, rips down his posters and shit like that, and it was, like, dramatic like that. Yeah. And then I just called my dad up, and. You took your posters with you? And they were all ripped. They were yeah. Fucked up. Uh, <laughs> you team them about back together. Was it just you or was it your siblings as well? It was just me. My sister lived there the whole time. I'm the only one who's ever lived with my dad. And it was weird. He said later, like, it was a, a big thing for him, almost like an acceptance thing that, you know, he got to raise a child for a second at least, you know, staying on his own. That's like someone. Um, and it, he was cool. He's, he's great. He's chill. He's good advice and everything he just he's fucked up with with my mom with the divorce and she ended up having all the the power and custody and then she just told us a lot of kind of lies about him and I remember as a kid being like like thinking it's like a crazy drug dealer or something like that and it was nothing anything like that he's just if you ever met him you'd be like wow this guy. <laughs> he's like super normal average white guy like he smokes weed now, but he's, he's retired, and, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you moving to your father mm-hmm. was a second chance for both of you to connect. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it was just like, you know, all my life it had been like every other weekend or something like that. And sometimes it was inconvenient. And so it was just like, just wasn't as connected anyway, just because time-wise. Uh, and it's hard to have that that good a relationship when you're doing like weekend things and stuff you know? and, and during this time did you resort what did you resort to to cope was it movies was it comedy um I liked comedy back then already but just friends and I, I, I was already pretty heavy weed smoker all through high school and everything pretty much and, and you feel like smoking weed helped with that not necessarily. I just <laughs> I wasn't addicted. Uh, but maybe I I don't know about cope. What do you, What do you mean by cope? You know, I don't know if I cope that well. Huh? I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I uh, honestly, when that shit happened with my mom and everything, it was kind of a it was a rough senior year, and um, I don't know. There were times in my life where I where it looked like I was gonna go to like a big school, like a really good school and stuff like that. And I was like, if you looked at me as a seventh grader. When I moved to Maine, I was in, I was taking second year Latin at a high school, and I was taking geometry at a high school as a seventh grader, um, but then Latin. I kind of fucked it all up, and <laughs> I didn't fuck it up, but I just found my path, and it's it's good, because I'm glad I'm doing comedy, and... Alright. Yeah. So, sort of to comedy, then. Uh, who are some of your inspirations? Um, I... 
I think some of the first comedy I, I listened to, like on DVDs and stuff like that, or VHS it was back then, I guess. Uh, I had an Eddie Murphy Delirious tape that me and friends used to watch, like, all the time, at, you know, in the background uh, in high school, and Martin Lawrence, You So Crazy. Uh, that was one of the first ones I watched a lot. Um, and then in college, I... I discovered Mitch Hedberg, and I liked him a lot. Um, yeah, Mitch Hedberg is a good one to get into. Yeah, and a little bit of Stephen Wright. And then when I started really thinking about doing comedy, because actually like my senior year I saw a friend of a friend do comedy, and that's when I started keeping a notebook kind of. And uh, I was into a little more political stuff. A lot of the was now considered like like the beginnings of alt comedy, like David Cross and Patton Oswalt, and I don't know if you ever saw Mr. Show, but I like that. And um, I don't know. I like Dane Cook actually. I liked uh, I liked a lot of people. Like and you said political was a thing you were into. David Cross is pretty political, and because I don't recall you going very political in your stand-up that I've seen. I don't. Uh, I, I think about the stuff, it's just, my mom wishes I would get real political, but, uh... <laughs> is it because is it she wishes that you choose not to? I just, I just don't like, it's just depressing. And yeah. so... I see what you're saying. I, I the go more, I don't want to be uninformed. I don't want to talk out of my ass about politics, because that's the worst. Uh, when you talk about politics, a lot of times you're either preaching the choir... And, you know, talking to a bunch of liberals about some liberal shit, and it's just, that's yeah. kind of bullshit. Or, or you're dividing the audience in half right as soon as you start talking, mm-hmm. which isn't great. Uh, yeah. I've done a lot of Trump stuff this summer. I have, uh-huh. I have about four minutes on Trump that I like, but he's kind of an easy target. But some of it's political, but, um, yeah, I just don't, the thing with politics also is it's topical, so you have to burn it after a little while because you can't be doing... You know, Clinton, yeah. Monica Lewinsky jokes ten years later or whatever. That's and, true. Um, I, I I I do quite a bit of local political material, like about fucking the mayor and shit like that. Stuff like that, yeah. Really well. Uh, about San Jose or Silicon Valley or in general. Yeah. And I, I do find myself like in the middle of a set and going like, you know, what, this is pretty depressing. What am yeah, I doing? Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I want to make people laugh. I don't want to like just preach. Yeah. And sometimes I don't feel like I'm preaching. I mean, ultimately, that's like what every comedian is really doing. I feel is preaching, but but when I it's just it's like I feel like I'm just yelling at somebody who just doesn't care. I'm trying to say something, and they're not here for that. They want to be entertained. So what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I I try my best to not go political. You know. If you can make it funny, then that's good. That's a whole different. The question now is it funny? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like I find it hard to really determine if something's funny, even if I get laughs. I was like, all right, I got a, I got a couple laughs on a couple show. Does that mean it's really funny? I guess I. I think as you get more into comedy, that's one thing I've gotten better at is just. I can quickly see if a joke is gonna work on stage or not, even before doing it. No, not completely and not the same way and I always have to work them out on stage but 
Like, I can think of something, and if I don't really like it, and I try it, it probably isn't going to be great. And if I'm really into it, I can make it work usually. You know what I'm saying? I think I can tell if it's funny because I think it's funny. Mm. So, <laughs> so what's your process like when you come up with a joke? Um, I think of it, and then... I'll write the joke or the premise down in my phone, and then I will maybe try it on stage that night. Or do you wing it, or do you have something right now, like a setup punchline, or like, all right, I'm gonna talk about it on stage. Let's see where it goes. I won't really start talking about it unless I have some one joke in there at least, some something that I think can make people laugh. Like uh, one punchline. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe stuff around it that I think could be, could have, there could be something. So until I think I, it can be something that could get a laugh, then I'll, I'll like save it and try to just keep revisiting it and write. But hopefully I'm writing about stuff that's interesting to me and funny to me and it's stuff that I'm thinking about anyway, you know what I'm saying? So then it will just come up and I'll be like, Oh, there's something that you know. I'm saying like things in my life will make me think of it once I've once I've thought of the premise, you know, and then just keep trying it on stage and adding to it. And lately, I've been trying to just keep track of some of the tags and stuff like that. On I'm using OneNote on my phone, which is like a little note-taking thing. But like a like a trigger word, <coughs> or, or even I'll write it out. Yeah, yeah, but you know, having I won't say everything I've written out just. I'll write out any ideas on it and then keep doing it on stage and kind of editing it in my head and if things aren't getting laughs then I'll just get rid of them. Did <laughs> <coughs> you get rid of them the first time around or like this third or fourth? Um, yeah, third or fourth. I, I tend to not have just quick jokes. I c- kind of have more like longer maybe a story or something so if one part of it's not going well then I might ditch that part but uh, yeah I'll keep trying or it depends how it fits into something sometimes there's certain parts that maybe drag the joke along a little bit and aren't the laughy parts but are necessary for context for other parts or something that I still keep even though it could be tighter but I just like it but then there are things that I don't know I don't know (laughs) it's a it's a random it's hard to describe or take it apart but you just I think it's the same things everybody most comics do hmm I'd like to, I wish I was better at just sitting and writing, but for the most part it's on stage and just, you know, if you can write, if you can write a minute a week, that's a lot in a way, which doesn't seem like anything, you know, a minute, it's nothing, so, uh, just, if you go up five nights a week, you, you should be able to have a minute more. Mm Mm-hmm. Each week of stuff. Okay. Interesting. And then some jokes just you kind of get sick of or you feel like they've gone as far as they're going to get for now and you just kind of put them away for a little while but so four years in right 
Five. Five years. Do you feel like you still use jokes from your first year or second year? Well, like like I said, that first time up, uh, I had a punchline that is still one of my, you know, opener jokes that I that I do. That it's the one about tall and people ask me if I play basketball and stuff like that. And um, but that joke has gone from a one minute joke that I didn't like the setup of so much the punchline was still good to like a four minute bit about it by the way like you that. are pretty tall that's yeah, true that's true who what's the numbers there uh six foot six six foot six yeah do you feel like that's been an advantage I think it is that's quite intimidating seeing a tall know. guy I like, mean I don't know if you want to intimidate people and stand up but in life it's, but in it's general in life thing. yeah yeah, yeah. I mean Sure. People tend to want to be that's taller. One thing, that's one thing. That's one of the best. Like one of the top five things women look for in a man. Yeah, that's cool. Is taller. Uh, I feel bad for short dudes. And <laughs> I mean, I I didn't. I wasn't always like as confident with girls, and really not confident for a while, especially. But uh, are you currently in a relationship? No. No. no I'm just fucking around. Um, but like being on online dating things and stuff like that are you like, on that yeah uh you which, just see which so many girls saying like if you're not six foot or over don't even message or something I feel bad fuck <laughs> but uh <laughs> I, I mess with them all i'm uh which which uh a little which, okay cupid okay cupid tinder bumble how the results have been for you they're good, good. Yeah, you yeah, go, go around and have a good time yeah i'm not uh I've been pretty focused on comedy lately, so I've not really been trying to meet someone so much, but then sometimes you just get horny or whatever, and you get in a little mood, and you message a bunch of people, and then you'll see someone for a little while, and... What's that, what's like one of the highlights using it? Um, I don't know. It's just the type of thing where, like... You'll be kind of going through a slump for a couple months, and then some girl will message you, and then <laughs> you'll just be that night you're out of the slump. And then, yeah. like one girl last summer, not this past summer, the summer before, it was the type of thing. I hadn't had sex for like a month and a half, and I was super busy and broke and just kind of bummed about stuff and stressed. And then she messaged me. She was in town for one more night from Toronto, and pretty hot Filipino chick from Canada, and... Um, and then we ended up having like, you know, we had much sex that night and everything, but we also like got along and then we kept in touch and I visited her in Toronto and then um, she visited me here and... Uh, so it seems like it almost got pretty serious. Kind of. She's She wants it to be more serious. I'm kind of over it now, but... Uh, but she's also like sort of has a boyfriend there, but she's polyamorous and all yada yada. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> oh, dude! I I don't really care. I well, I'm, I'm, this, I'm the way I kind of look at all of this is just the Bay Area right now is just a little training ground for me to get better at comedy, and I'm gonna move to LA soon. So relationship is not even in the in the equation, or in this no. case, the expression. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna sit someone down at the beginning and be like, "There's no way I'd have a relationship," because I'd be down for a relationship. I like, you know, I I would. I look 
with envy at some people in their relationships and everything, but I don't, I don't need one at all, and um, I totally understand if people wouldn't want to be in a relationship with me right now because I'm not very like reliable and I don't have very like a stable life or job you know what I'm saying I'm out at night all the you're time you're going through a rut right now aren't you it's a bit of a transition period uh I mean I think to myself but at the end of the day like what I fucking hang out all day I go hang out with friends I can maybe, have sex when I want to for the most part maybe but. ironically that's what you need maybe you need a woman to kinda yeah maybe it'll be cool uh get you going I don't know if I need to get going or not. I think this is... If I... So you're pretty happy right now. You're cool. You're, you're just, yeah, I mean, I like different cruising. levels of success with comedy and... Um, well, how do you define success in comedy? Like, Even that's a tricky question. I mean, all... The goal I want to reach is to be a paid comic that doesn't have to do any other jobs or get unemployment or anything, and that's what I follow. I'm a tax return as a comedian and do all that. And that would... Uh, if I could do that, that would be cool. And then everything else after that is bonus, and it'll be good. The goal is to make sure you put comedian in the tax return. Yeah, basically. So uh, pretty much a road comic, right? No, I mean, it wouldn't have to... Just a, a paid comedian. Yeah, I'd like to work the road, but I there are some comics in L.A. and stuff who don't really work the road that much. And have you been on the road? I mean, I've done, like, casino gigs and stuff like that. How did that work and out for you? It's fun. Everything's... I feel... I feel good. I'm not crushing it. I just did this big competition that was, you know, had people from all over the country and everything. And Where at? It was a San Francisco International Comedy Competition. Mm. Um, it was at different places. And, you know, I was right in the middle of the pack there. And sometimes I think to myself, yeah, maybe comedy's not really competition comedy. And maybe it isn't, but I'm sure two years from now I would do much better in it than I did this year and stuff like that. And people who did well were in it for a long time. And, I just, uh, it's a weird phase in comedy when you're like five years in and it's, you see that goal of being a working comic, but it's not at all guaranteed and it could take a really long time still. It could never happen. It could, other friends of mine who are about the same time in, some of them are kind of making those jumps and stuff like that. And, um, yeah. So it's a weird time when you, you start to think like, maybe I'm just kidding these people, but, you know, I, I have lots of time where I need to keep working. But It's tough being a working comic in the Bay Area compared to L.A. Because, yeah, like you said really before, there aren't many. in L.A., there's working comics that don't need to hit the road as much. Well, because they get daytime commercial work. Exactly. Or random stuff like that, which I'd like to do. Exactly. I, so I, I just, but right now my rent's so cheap and it's harder to get stage time down there. I just feel like, Put in another six months here, getting as much stage time as possible, go down there and start that journey, and then there's a bunch of hot chicks down there, and I can meet some girls down there and start you a relationship. Could, you could okay Cupid girls in LA. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Are you on Tinder? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to put no your shame in my game. You want to put your username on this on this podcast? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. Matt Curry is my name. I think on Tinder it's just going to be Matt or something. I don't, I don't know if you could look that up. Just Matt. <laughs> uh, don't read mine is my OK Cupid profile name. Don't read mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like don't read mine what? Yeah, like my profile. Don't read my profile. Just look at my picture. I'm tall. Yeah, 
Yeah. That's all you got to know. I honestly, I had like a kind of jokey tweet, but I believe it. Like in 2015, if you have five good pictures of yourself, you can get a date within like a day or two. I'm 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 out then because I, I don't think of one good picture of myself. Sorry, <laughs> I have a couple. Which on this brand new computer, I think I, I got Photoshop, so it might change the game. Okay. I don't know for me. Yeah, it, 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 it could. Um, I mean, it's it's just got to be good for you, and you got to uh, whatever yourself. But, but and then a little bit of text game. That's the other thing that's helped me out. So I, I was always awkward on the phone, but now you don't have to call people ever again. <laughs> you just, just text. text yeah. yeah, no need to call. No. I called someone recently. Uh, you know, uh, well, not recently, a couple months I'll ago. Call friends, but it and, used she, to and be she like said, weird, she like, said, you know what? I've never talked to someone on the phone like in a while like somebody you know who yeah. interested it's a good thing to do. I, have, I have a friend who's it's almost like as ready. good as any he's better than anyone I've ever known with women and he texts all the time but he always makes the first phone call before texting it's like a is that a strategy I guess it just let her hear like, my voice so when I text she can imagine like, my voice I I made that first I'm, I'm not too afraid to call you we, we, you know and they'll have a nice little conversation for 20 minutes half hour and then it's texting from that when I talk on the phone I can't <coughs> last more than 15 minutes yeah. I, after that I was like alright so you never had a weird like friend you talked to for an hour or two when you were uh-uh. in middle school uh-uh. then again I didn't have much friends that I would call at all Okay. when I was younger all right, so LA is definitely the radar for you right now. Yeah, it's gonna happen sometime. It's not. I don't know. I I should be making better plans, but I don't. But it's. I don't know. I'd say probably six months or a year. Fifth year. If you if you saw yourself on the first year, what what are some tips you would give to first year comics? Um. Oh, I don't know. You know. I have a friend who's one of my, he was one of my roommates in college and in LA when I first started comedy, he was he was one of my housemates and he's an actor, trying to be an actor and he just did his first set two weeks ago and one thing that I did was forwarded him a link to, there's a little talk Ari Shafir does with some people at the comedy store some young comics and it's like, like three, three hour long hour. yeah yeah I listened to that yeah it's great great fucking video that all comedians should listen to yeah and there's nothing he says in there that I disagree with and it's it's really good on just putting perspective everything just I think year one through three should be about shouldn't have any expectations on yourself you should just be getting as much comedy as much stage time as possible I think you should be discovering yourself I think it's just I think he says that's the funnest is your first couple of years because you're it allowed to be. do anything literally yeah it could be I mean it just depends on the perspective you have on it if you're like getting bummed about you know other comics and this and that those you, you shouldn't be you should just you should be humble and you should just be doing anything you can and Doing open mics and trying different things, and do you catch yourself being bummed about other comics? Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But not too. Is it more out of envy, or is it more like this guy's an asshole? Why is he doing? You know, why is he here? Not an asshole, but not as good or, or check whatever. Uh, yeah, and it's it's envy, but a lot of the time it it comes down to this person's hustling harder than I am and out there more. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, weird little 
things that shouldn't matter and Ari Shafir said it like in his things like there's this fucking coffee shop that I want to get on this coffee shop thing and this guy would not book me and I was so it was like obsessed with and then I finally did and it was just normal coffee shop show and I was just like what you know what I'm saying and that's like <laughs> yeah like I finally got up at the punchline on a Sunday and as far as people who sit in the back on Sundays at the punchline I think I had been there longer than anybody currently without getting up and I it was fucking I was like is there something personal with me and Mary or what the fuck is the deal but uh but at the end of the day it's I'm still not that long into the game you know what I'm saying and it, it doesn't yeah and it's just another stage and it was whatever seven minutes and it was fun but it wasn't changed my life or anything you know oh the anticipation to like ah is this what it is is this this whole time i've I've been on that stage before and i knew it wouldn't be any i was almost just like pissed off by the time i got on that stage that it had taken so long and (laughs) that's not a good way to go up there you know yeah Uh, (laughs) okay so uh, just uh be nice to everybody because these are everybody remembers it and try at every thing don't be here's one thing i do see comics around here in san jose doing a little too much and i think it's like the louis ck effect a little bit is trying to like work on having a good 20 minutes before you have five minutes you know Uh what i'm saying like a lot of people it's good to try everything and do new but also do the same stuff over and over again until it's consistent you know and and have some stuff that you could go to and bring like go to a club that you're confident with or just save yourself when a when a show's not going well and i don't know learn that's part of the process is the editing process and and doing it over again so uh that's one thing i'd say and just yeah just don't get involved too much or don't in your head care too much about drama and little dates and all this stuff just just have fun just know it's I think something that kind of helped my psyche just at a certain point like alright there's no retirement age for comedy and I want to do this till I die basically so that takes a lot of pressure off like getting successful by this age or something like that because I have a lifetime to do it and it's only I feel like as long as you're nice and you're always writing you can only keep progressing and get better and more opportunities because you'll just keep knowing more and more people people more and more people will see you more and more people will like you you'll be in with more and more clubs and yeah everything just just keep moving forward all right man curry we hit that hour mark start closing our shop What's the best way people can find your stuff? Do you have any upcoming shows, or do you have like a, a social media following? I'm uh, I'm not very good at that. Well, here's some advice: is be better than I am with uh, social media and shit. Because I, I don't know, I need to work on that. Now you can friend request me on Facebook. I'm happy with that. Matt Curry, uh, Matt Curry Comedy, on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, those are the ones. You okay with strangers adding you as a friend? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll block you if you're whack. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hit me up on fucking OkCupid, okay Tinder, Bumble, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> and let me see if I have any upcoming shows. When when is this coming out? Uh, Sunday. Uh, Sunday. Oh, you know what? I I book a show at the Melt. It's a or I think it's just called Melt. It's a little fondue place in San Francisco. Um, they have comedy there every Monday night. I do the second Monday. I host and book it every second Monday. So it's comedians that mm. I like. Uh, How's your experience and hosting and booking? Booking's fun. Um, it can be annoying when you know some people who you're not as into want to get on the show and you feel it's awkward. Yeah, uh, I've been there. Yeah, for Scotty. I like yeah. I like hosting for the most part. I don't I don't know if I'm a natural great host. I'm kind of low energy. Last night I was pretty awkward with my intros, but I think it's fine. I'm I'm, I'm good. And as long as you, I think as long as you have a good ten minutes up top, they accept you as you know he was funny and they like you as a host. What's your uh, criteria for comics trying to get on the mount? I don't know. I just just be funny. Yeah, just, just be cool. Just, yeah, bring weed. Yeah, that's fine. a plus. I got lots of weed. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Uh, so the melt Mondays. The melt Mondays come come support that. It's free and really great comics. Go just go to any comedy show you can go to, and that's what we need, folks. And don't be too uptight in the audience. Laugh at everything. Yeah, if you're an audience member, laugh at everything. Yeah. Even if you're you offended. You find funny. You don't have to find yeah. everything funny. But. No. The, what's like the worst audience you had to deal with? Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm actually I'm more curious because you're a very mild mannered guy. You're yeah. very relaxed. How do you deal with hecklers? You know, I think uh, I am mild mannered and relaxed, but we're we're just sitting in a room right now. I can get a little more amped if in other situations, but mm-hmm. in general, you can kind of. So, I mean, you'll learn this again. Arshvir talks about it in this thing, but part of the, like, trying to skip things, you kind of just, uh, through experience, learn your own ways and learn to judge the situation well. And, like, pretty much hecklers, the rest of the audience doesn't like them. So that's the nice thing about hecklers versus, like, being a teacher is, as a teacher, you can tell a kid off, but you can't really tell a kid off. Right. As a heckler, with a heckler, you can say whatever the fuck you want if, if the audience is on your side. If they're not on your side, if it's the beginning and you're mean, then the, the rest of the audience is like, well, this guy's kind of a dick. And so you kind of have to judge. And then a lot of the time it's just let them dig their own hole. And like they say something, you just be like, what? And then let them say some more. And then you can usually find something funny to say in their thing. Or you can just... A lot of time I'll just like a teacher almost not even that funny just explain to them like why <laughs> what they're doing is inappropriate right you gotta raise your you gotta raise your hand <laughs> kind of or just yeah. like all right we we all came here to entertain and not listen to you and <laughs> you're messing up the show man basically uh, we just try to do it in a funny way but also and I think I'm kind of sarcastic with it and just kind of um, Have you, did you catch yourself like blurring the lines when you're teaching and stand up? Uh, like you just lost it, you had a bad day, and you just not necessarily. I mean, I, I'm, 
I'm not your normal teacher anyway. I'm, you know, say I'm, I'm kind of funnier, but I'm also kind of weird and kind of. I don't know if I always have. I'm, I'm more of. I'm not always like disciplinarian and try, I'm kind of like, all right, guys, let's we're doing this together. Come <laughs> on. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes, and sometimes I even fuck around. I'd be like, all right, next up to the board, we got, you know, you know, I'm from. Last night's volleyball game, everybody, Jorge Sanchez, and have yeah. a little clap for people coming up to the board or something like that, <laughs> fuck around like a host, or, uh, but, no, you, you have a lesson, and you, teaching's kind of stressful a lot of time. you know what I'm saying, like, at the end of the day, you gotta, you don't get to, like, just sit back and not do stuff a lot of the time, because you gotta kind of be managing kids who are trying to act up, or just trying to help people walking around and everything so it's not uh, I don't know I don't know what I'm saying mm. sometimes I, I wish I was a funnier cooler teacher sometimes when I'm actually teaching but you, you, you just you, have a time limit and you're just do you also envy, I don't have time for do you envy other cool teachers like oh, god damn I wish I was cool as that teacher I, I, I don't think I've ever thought I was not as cool as a teacher but there are some teachers who just have it they just they're great teachers and Again, I think it's part of my maybe false confidence, but it's always been a, if I really wanted to be a great teacher, I think I could, but I just don't put that time in. It yeah. was always kind of what I wanted to do stand-up, and I'm, I thought I was just a natural at teaching, but that I'm not really putting the time in that I need to. But there are some that are totally natural and would probably would always be better than me, but I think I would be great at it if I really mm. cared. I, I, I get a weird question then. Yeah. Who are some of your teaching inspirations like is there a teacher you've seen on TV or movies you try to emulate yeah not do your own thing yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't know. I don't I don't think you're just kind of thrown in there it's like what's that film with Michelle Pfeiffer she tries to fix yeah, up that dangerous minds there you go yeah, I mean, I, I <laughs> have, you had, have, have you had that moment where you're dealing with like you know gangbangers or something yeah like EP is called Pilar's was a continuation school basically like there were adults at it who were you know nice whatever ladies who just raised a kid and immigrated here but there were some adults at it who got kicked out of schools and stuff like that and were like 20 year old adults type thing or like we had a daycare for uh you know mothers and stuff like mm -hmm. that and a lot of them were teenage mothers i had i've had kids like step to me like get my face like physically kind of uh, really over what just over me telling them to do stuff that they didn't want to do and then me not backing down and then it it just being their reputation on the line with their friends watching type thing how awkward is it when they realize they can't get to your face won't you like your chest or yeah uh it's a it's a weird scene i'll i'll just that's the one thing I'm pretty, pretty relaxed, but then if you cross certain lines, I won't let it go. Like, if you cross the line, and I said that if you cross this line, I'm going to send you to the office, and you do cross it, but then you start apologizing or something, and I already said it was, once you do this, I'm going to, I like have to set the example for the rest of the class instead of mm -hmm. pressing, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, weird, like... So how, how would you handle a stressful situation like that? A kid sips up to you, or a student. Right. You just you just hold your ground and you yeah. just uh, stare off. Kind of. I mean, if it for that situation, it, it took 
me like going outside the classroom and calling a campus security person and having that person escort them and everything cause yeah and then I'll tell them like okay we can have this be super awkward with someone escorting you to the office like a baby or you can just act like an adult and go to the office or whatever and I don't know you again like heckling like you can make them you just point out how ridiculous they're being or the situation and um, and usually especially if you're a teacher that has established trust and everything and the students the rest of the students already like you and everybody there's like peer pressure for another student to just not be an asshole yeah. okay yeah all right Matt Curry we good Curry Sanchez we're good we're good thank you for having me thank you for coming hope all is well wish you the best we you should you're, you're the first guest I ever shook my hand you were holding it like there this. man <laughs> he, I have my hand out to make expressions, but yeah. <laughs> you see your hand out. I gotta go shake it. Yeah, it seemed like a like. Yeah. It seemed like a. Like, we're, well, we're wrapping things up type thing. Yeah, we definitely are. Uh, thank you for coming. Catch him. Pleasure. Uh, at the melt, and all that jazz. All over. I'm gonna be big, folks. Matt Curry's gonna be big. I believe it. Uh-huh.